Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua Dub underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I'm so excited for this conversation that we're about to have. I have the fantastic leader in front of me, Dr. Marcus Bielan. Thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Josh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's always great to to be here and being able to connect with great leaders like yourself. Oh, it's a true honor, sir. And I can't wait to talk to you more on some awesome topics on leadership. But before we do that, I would love to hear about your educational and leadership journey. Yeah, so I, uh, I'll start from the very beginning, the foundation, uh, and I'll, I'll move quickly just as I did uh, getting to where I am now. But I'm a fifth generation educator. So on my mom's side, uh, the family, uh, my grandmother, my sister, uh, my mom, and we can keep going because it it, it does keep going. Education has is run through and through, and it was an area of focus and value. And I always grew up learning that no one can ever take knowledge away from you, but you can go out and be hungry and go get it. And so I have done just that. I started uh, teaching in uh, 2010, uh, Quest Charter Academy in Peoria, Illinois, uh, and somebody, some leadership that took some looks in my direction, uh, coming straight out of out of college. And, you know, back then teachers were plentiful. Like it was a, you had to go out and like really interview very well because you were probably one of 10 great interviews. And someone took a chance on me. They didn't look at my inexperience, but they said, you know, there's something here. And I taught there for two years, uh, moved into a dean of students role for three years, uh, then moved on to public school and became an assistant principal for two years and then became a principal uh, at Huntley High School. So I've moved rather quickly. This is my 13th year. So like now I'm starting to do what other people have done, where they start to question, like, how many years have I been in? <laughs> uh, this is my 13th year in education. Like I said, 10 of those uh, 10 of those years have 11 of those years have been in administration. So I've been excited about my journey and excited to just learn about kids and grow people. Marcus, I love everything that you're doing in education. And, you know, I love your podcast. We're gonna talk about that later. As soon as I went on your website, because I, you know, we've been connected on social media for some time, I was checking you out as far as what you're doing in and across the nation. And the first thing I saw was this, this big tagline, millennial leader. And it made me start thinking, I'm like, what, what is that? You know, so, you know, what is that term for you? And, and why does that, you know, scream what you're doing every single day on your campus? Yeah, so I am, I am a millennial leader. I pride the work that I do in being able to, to be connected to kids just in a different way. When I say not being too far removed from high school, I'm starting to not be able to say that anymore <laughs> uh, as the gray hairs start to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be celebrating 35 next month. So I'm, I'm hitting that mark where uh, high school is starting to definitely become a distant memory. But I got into administration because I wanted to move outside of the classroom uh, and do, do more. Mm-hmm. I was able, I mastered the skill very early of developing relationships within the classroom uh, with kids. Kids love to come into my room. And it's not just attributed to me. It was attributed to to the atmosphere that they also created for themselves that I I allowed to happen. 
uh, as an educator, we have so much control over our environments, uh, especially when it comes to kids. And, you know, we can kids will do anything you ask them to do. If you just love on them, you believe in them and you care for them. But sometimes you could take that to a whole nother level where if you put too many structures in place, they're going to do it because they love you and they want they want to perform for you. Yep. But there's also that balance of just kind of letting them go and letting them be. And I, you know, when we look at millennials, there's a lot of people that talk about our generation and kind of how we are just we free flowing. Like we just going to let it happen. We'll see what comes. And what's crazy is I'm a very structured guy. I like thing like being on time like doing things in a certain way. I like that level of control. Yet as a millennial and being in a classroom, like I would change my desk up every day. Kids would come in and I'm like, you know what? I had this plan, but I'm really feeling this today. What do y'all think? And we would just go and I found that to be the best. And I would only, I found myself only doing that with kids in my own, like I said, in my own life, I like, I like structure. I like things to be a certain way. Uh, but I, I feel most free when I'm I'm with young people and uh, being able to just see what they need and give them what they need. So that, that's where the millennial comes in. And it's the mixture of just being a leader. And so I moved past uh, just being in a classroom and said, I can expand this to a different level. And I became a dean of students. And I love working with kids when they were at their lowest moments and really finding what works and like they say, throwing noodles against the wall to see what sticks. I threw everything. I threw bricks against the wall to see if it may just happen to stick. But that's where the millennial leadership comes from. Yeah. So you talked about the success in the classroom and, you know, allowing the students to control their environment. And I'm just wondering, did you find yourself using similar strategies with the adults? Yes. Um <laughs> What's crazy is in July of 2018, that was a very, it was a very nerve wracking and anxious month for me. I went to the National Principals Conference in Chicago and ASSP was having it. I just got hired at Huntley High School uh, as the principal back in March. I uh, finished up my time in Dunlap. I not only was moving my family to an entirely new community, new environment and the suburbs of Chicago, I promise that I was never going to live in the suburbs, uh, being from the city of Chicago. Like I am South side through and through sure. never saw myself in the suburbs. And here I am, I got corn right across the street. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely in the suburbs, but, <laughs> but when I got here in July, I started my contract July one. Um, and I walked in my office and I looked around and I was like, okay, now what? Right. Like you walk into the office thinking of this grand entrance, like, OK, July one is here. I start on on Monday. You walk in there and and there's lo and behold, there's nothing waiting for you. Not a folder, not a note in the top drawer of a desk. I was a social studies teacher. So if anybody gets that, that would be from <laughs> president to president. They leave notes in the desk like there's no note in the desk to say, hey, here's where you start. Here's how to be a principal. Totally. And so I resorted to what I was most comfortable with, and that was developing relationships. My building's very large. I have 3,000 students in my building, and I have 317 staff members that make my building work every day. And so why not do the best thing that I could do? And that's just go talk to people. So I walked out in the hallway. I met my custodian. I was in the process of just hiring a secretary, so she didn't start yet. My APs were on vacation. So I knew absolutely nothing. So I took my keys. I walked the hallway and I tried every door lock, looked in doors, see what happens and just ran across whoever I could. Uh, and that was probably the most I did that for about a week. 
I mean, yeah, I got into some emails and stuff, but I really did that for about a week and just ask questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the questions were the dumbest questions. <laughs> some of them I, I felt like I knew the answer to, but I just wanted to test myself. So I took that and just brought it. And what people were able to see from me was just genuine Marcus. Yep, the title on the door. I don't need, I didn't even understand the magnitude of what the word for some people principal means in a school of 3000 yep. and in a community where they see like the high school and the high school principal is like, you're famous. I'm like, no, I'm just a guy. And so I continued to do that. It led into my first faculty meeting where I stood on stage in front of 300 people. And I was like, okay, <laughs> welcome to the first faculty meeting. Welcome back to school, everybody. I'm your principal. I'm Marcus Bielan. Let me tell you a little bit about me. And for those who don't know me, for those listeners who don't know me, uh, I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, still a member. And I used to do step shows when I was in college. Nice. I stepped on stage in front of my entire staff. And that right there, it was like the hook that reeled them in. It's like, okay, <laughs> this guy is crazy. And at that point, I just, I continued to be me. Unfiltered, just honest, true, transparent. I took the, the controls off and said, I, if I'm going to do this for kids, I'm going to also do it for my staff. And if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. And, and, and if I have an answer, I'll give you my honest answer. It may be right, it may be wrong, but I'll at least give it to you. Let's fast forward, right? So we all experience, and I'm going to say a word that's probably a dirty word that no one wants to hear, which is the pandemic. So mm, mm. that shifted a lot of things, a lot of pieces in education and probably on your campus. How do people move forward? Oh, man. People always ask me the question, if you can go back and change anything about, you know, what you've done, your leadership, things of that nature, what would you change? Absolutely nothing is my answer. Uh, my very first year was crazy. I had a bunch of stuff happen in my building. Random things, like a, just a list of random things, like this sprinkler head breaks open during a passing period and we flood the building and we got to evacuate. Like It was right. stuff like that. And so I was like, nothing can get any worse than this. And it did. The oh. pandemic hit. And at that point, there were so many times I had to catch myself for apologizing because while... I want my staff to deliver for kids. Like I want to deliver for my staff. And there were times along the way where I felt like I was letting my staff down because I'd see people who were going through so much, uh, both personally and professionally, and they looked to the principal as the leader. And I had to tell my staff, hey, y'all, just so you know, I've never, I've never been a principal before and I've never led through a pandemic. That's two things. And, and, and the number of years in education is also stacked against me, right? right? I have teachers who have been in my building who have taught over 30 years. Yeah. I'm 34. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who am I to go in their classroom and tell them about their teaching practices and trying to help them get out of their comfort zone during the pandemic when I didn't even understand? We're trying to process all of what's going on at 2 o'clock in here in Illinois when the governor would come on at 2.30, when the governor would come on. It's like everything stopped moving. People yeah. would pull off to the side of the road just so that they can hear the update of what's coming next. Yeah. And at that point, we could have also gotten some new information for schools that needed to go into effect tomorrow. Not only did I have to process that, but then I had to process how is this going to impact students? How is this going to impact my staff? And what is my role and responsibility of leading them through this next step? Right. That was a challenge. It was scary, <laughs> scary as hell, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, and there was there was a lot of emotion behind that. Uh, I went to bed exhausted. I woke up even more exhausted. Um, 
But I kept telling myself, you know what? I get to go to work. If I'm going to ask my staff to show up, if I'm going to ask my kids to show up, if I'm going to ask parents to trust and believe in the work that we're doing and we're going to continue to move education forward, I, you can be mad, upset, whatever. Like, I am going to wake up, put my socks on, one pants leg at a time, my shoes on, and I'm going into work, and I'm going to make it happen. And that's what I did. I stayed true to that conviction, even when I wanted to give up. What about those who are going into leadership now thinking, oh, I just want to create normal. I want to go back to the way it used to be. I don't like to tell people they're wrong. I like them to, to problem solve and, and figure things out themselves. But if you ever say to yourself, I want to go back to the way things used to be where it's most comfortable, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I'm <laughs> a, I'm going to, I am going to light your box on fire right now. We are so used to being comfortable in the box that we find and that we create because everything we can fit inside our box, it could be the largest box in the world. We just know that we're comfortable because we have control of everything we put inside of it. But I just walked up, I poured gasoline and I struck a match and I lit your box on fire. Now you're forced to do something different than what you thought you needed to do or could do. That's what the pandemic did for us. It forced us to do things that we never thought we could do in education. And now we're like, whoa, this exists or we created this? Everybody from companies, hey, shout out to the companies who uh, hounded my inbox <laughs> because it showed me that they were trying, that they were trying to find their, their market in the schools and that they had schools on the forefront of their minds. Shout out to, to people who even still to this day say, I want to be a leader in education because while the pipeline for school leadership is very um, dry, <laughs> There are still people who have their eyes on sitting in the seat of a principal and I continue to urge them. The job is so much fun. Yep. And I can look back to say like, man, I was challenged to do some amazing things. Students challenged me. My parents, of uh, uh, our school community challenged me. Uh, my staff held me accountable and challenged me. And I have grown so much because of that. And I'm forever grateful. Um, but the role... Uh, needs good people and will continually need good people who are just committed to whatever is going to happen tomorrow. Like you are prepared to just get in there and do the work. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. So at some point you were challenged to do another amazing thing, which is create a podcast. Mm -hmm. So you have the unapologetic leadership podcast, fantastic project you've got going on. So I want to hear the, the story behind where that came from. The podcast started in January, 2021. My great friend, Adam, welcome uh, who is out there really killing it in, in the world of education and speaking and so forth. He, we were on the phone and I was actually, I sat on his podcast and he, um, he said, Marcus, it's your time. Like you need to, you need to do something like blog podcast, something like people need to hear your voice. People need to hear what you're going through, um, what you're doing. Uh, you have a ability to bring voices to the table. So I did just that. I took that charge. I took that challenge. I said, all right, let's go. So I started unapologetic leadership, uh, all based off the premise that um, there is no reason we need to apologize. If kids are at the center of our decision making and we are doing everything we need to do in the best interest in the pursuit of educating kids, 
then we shouldn't apologize for those, uh, you know, for what we're doing and how we lead our buildings and how we lead our schools and school communities. So unapologetic leadership was formed. And so I talked to a lot of school leaders um, about what it's like for them in their their community. How are they leading and how are they leading unapologetic? How are they challenging themselves to um, to do just great things for kids? Because that's we are in the business for kids, period, point blank in the story. One hundred percent. Well, you're also a author in Because of a Teacher. You wrote a chapter with uh, George Kuros and a group of fantastic educators. So what was that chapter all about? I don't want you to give oh. away the, the kitchen sink here, but yeah, yeah. give us a little quick synopsis. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm sitting here holding the book right now, man, because <laughs> it was... I, to see my name in a book, I'm gonna be honest, y'all. This is this is the the kid in me right now. But to see my name in a book, to see my profile picture, um, and and my work, something that I wrote uh, in a book, in a chapter of a book of of great leaders. Like there are, there was a group of us. I want to say about fourteen or fifteen of us uh, that contributed to a chapter in this book under the leadership of of uh, George and. And and his wife, who just believe in in helping those who are going into the the field of education, those who are in administration, and we many of us got into education because of a teacher, yeah, right. Somebody who inspired you to just do good and be good, and everybody has that that story of like, yep, it was such and such in second grade or first, grade. you know. So my chapter, um, it's the four keys of legacy, uh, to legacy. And one of the questions that I pose to my staff and to my students every single year, I don't change the theme all the time. Some people go in and figure out, up oh, new school year, new theme. Like, no, we can continue <laughs> with the same one. Uh, and mine is just the premise of you matter and what legacy are you going to leave? Legacy is about story. Legacy is about the, the, the mission of a person and what they are able to hand back to those who come behind them. This chapter really focuses on being bold being vulnerable, really changing the game uh, and doing it with a very transparent, very humble and meek heart. Again, with the with the premise of what we do, we do for kids. I'm going to keep coming back to it because that's literally why we do what we do. Well, Marcus, I want to say congratulations because, well, you've got a lot going on, but you've also been added to the board of NASSP. And for those who are listening who may not know about that organization, is there anything that can help support our leaders? Yeah. So any leader I run into, especially if you're going into, especially if you're going into the field of administration, or even if you're aspiring to do so, developing a network is what is most important in this job. I need to be able to pick up the phone and call whoever, whenever to say, hey, I am struggling with this, or I need help with this, or hey, can we partner on this? Can our schools partner on this? Can our state partner on this? So I urge you, this is one ask of everyone who is in the in the seat or planning to go to the seat or those who have, have left the seat, stay connected to your state, your local, your state, and your national organizations, because the amount of resources that they have at each of those levels is invaluable. And when I say even for those who left the seat, there are a lot of retired folks who have gone off, who have ridden off into the sunset. They got a condo in Florida. Um, How dare you? How dare you leave the field of education and take the suitcases that you have packed with you of all that knowledge that can help out people who are coming into the field? 
Like, don't be stingy. Don't be selfish, right? Leave I want letter, you to right? leave a suitcase. <laughs> Le- yes, leave the letter in the desk drawer that says, hey, I don't know what you're getting ready to embark on, but here, let me give you some tips and tricks that help me because that is the most important. They always say, like, you, you can't know where you're going until you know where you came from. And so needing those people who have sat in the seat to leave some information behind, to leave some notes or to leave a, a uh, some breadcrumbs and allow me as a, as a school leader to make decisions on which ones I'm going to pick up, which ones I'm going to keep and which ones are going to, which ones will I allow to mold me into the leader that I need to be. It's called paying it forward. And then those who are going into administration or aspiring to go into administration, the, the canvas is blank every single day, right? It is come in, you find your voice, you find what you are able to do and what your where you're most comfortable because the decisions you make, every decision you make ultimately has the greatest impact on a young life, whether it's one or 3,000. We're going to pause for just a second as I ask you, the listener, have you ever wondered if you could be a leader in your school or in your district? My book, Aspire to Lead, is available now as I share a practical guide for aspiring leaders to enhance your leadership capacity. As we all know, leadership is extremely difficult, and getting that experience needed to advance can be a huge challenge. In this book, you'll find the Aspire model, which is infused with stories of past failures and successes to guide with actionable steps to enhance your skills. In addition, you'll find fantastic resources and contributions from 11 influential leaders. You can find Aspire Lead on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart. If you have a chance to read the book, please take a moment to leave a review on any of the online platforms that you made your purchase. Now, let's get back to the interview. So Marcus, I always love asking the guests about action steps, right? Because, you know, we Uh we can't be inactive. We need to get out of that box, right, of our comfort zone. So for our aspiring or current leaders who are listening, if there's something they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey what would you advise them to do? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Continue to figure out what you need to develop you. And, and when I say that, I, I recently just started listening to podcasts and other people's podcasts. I started watching a masterclass actually on, I downloaded the app, started watching masterclass and seeing things outside of the field of education. Yep. And it's amazing how many things, how much we do links to what we do as school leaders, right? We run a business. Yep. School is a business. And, and and what I don't want it to turn into is just transactions. Right. I don't want 3,000 kids walking in uh, every single day, making a transaction of sitting in a classroom and getting an education and then leaving and coming back the next day, doing it over and over and over. Um, I want to uh, continually grow my staff and grow students. And the only way I can do that uh, is by growing myself, right? So find a, find something to get connected to uh, even if it's an organization, they take dues every single day, right? Their transactions don't stop. Right. But the money that you pay into organizations are going to open itself to a wide range of of resources that are going to help you better yourself uh, and be better in the profession. So I would say get connected, learn some things, um, and then connect with someone, right? Someone who is going to be invested uh, in you. Mm-hmm. I always told people like... I, the people you invite to your wedding are the people that you want to be there through your marriage. People you want to be able to call and say, man, I am struggling with my partner. Help me. Help me remember why I got married to this person. Well, 
the job of what we do as school leaders is we are married to the work because if we just go in to just go through the motions of being a school leader, we're going to fail kids. We're going to lose kids. We're going to, we're going to leave them on the side of the road and we can't, we, we have a duty. We have a responsibility. And if you really to step up to the plate, you better take a swing and knock it out of the park. So Marcus, you talked about developing a network. How may folks connect with you on social media? Um, so I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Marcus J. Bielan. I'm on Instagram, uh, Dr. Marcus Beelan. Uh, they can also visit me at drmarcusbeelan.com where I can stay connected with people through even email. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, my networks have grown significantly because I have gone out to search for people <laughs> who are doing great work as well. Uh, because if I'm going to sit myself at the table, I want to be around the table of people I can learn from uh, and who best to do that by, by reaching out and connecting and asking. Well, Marcus, I am so appreciative of being connected with you. And I feel like I've learned so much with your podcast and just what you post on social media. And of course, our conversation today. And I, I just appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I appreciate you for having me. I'm humble for the experience and uh, we'll, we'll connect real soon.